You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. As you most probably are aware, I am a private investigator. As a private investigator, I specialize in financial crime. On a regular basis, people have come to me where they have been defrauded by people posing as financial advisors, people offering them um, most incredible returns on investments from everything um, revolving around cryptocurrency to property investments all the way down to um, investment capital in in ventures. this is a very, very diverse industry. However, South Africa has strict legislation that regulates who can actually give financial advice. And it's very important for you to ensure that the person that you are taking financial advice from is legit. So with that in mind today, we invited Troy Lars to studio. Troy Lars is a legit financial advisor. He is registered. And he's going to explain to us today what is a financial advisor and what do they need to show you to show that they are, in fact, registered, licensed and entitled to guide you with your investments. Troy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad, and thanks for the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Troy, first of all, what is it that you do and how long have you done it for? Chad, uh, I've been in the industry since 2002. Um, I'm a registered financial planner. I'm I'm registered with the Financial Services Conduct, uh, FCSEA, sorry. It was previously Financial Services Board. It's now called Financial Service Conduct Authority. So um, I have my qualifications as an advisor. Um, I've been, I'm working with a company called Stringfellow. I happen to be the principal and the key individual for the company, which means from a compliance point of view, I'm the sort of the policeman of the company as well as the advisor. Uh, why is that important? Because it, uh, in terms of understanding what the requirements are from a legal point of view to be an advisor, uh, that's, that's where one of the advantages my position holds. So, um, yeah, Chad, I, th- I think there's a lot of guys out there, if, if I can just uh, touch on it, in terms of uh, giving false advice or advice that's not really uh, correct. So what happens is we, we govern by the uh, by the FASE Act, uh, which is then covered by FIXA, um, and that requires that there has to be certain sort of disclosures, certain things that we, we have to abide by as an advisor. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to just briefly run through one of those, one or two of those things. Um, the guys that work for me, they have to have a, a disclosure letter. So whenever they see a client and they give advice, they have to prove that they're registered with financial services. Well, sorry, FIXA. Excuse me for referring back to them. They've recently changed names. So FIXA requires that we, we have to disclose what our license number is, what our qualifications are, and that type of thing. Um, so you, you could actually go onto the FIXA website, website www.fcsca. .co.za and you could go under phase and you could look under the, the search uh, uh, tab and that will be able to tell you if the person is giving you advice is actually qualified or not. Um, we, we, you know, we have a reputation to maintain as financial advisors that we give the right advice and unfortunately there are the black sheep out there who are not registered with this institution. Um, which give us as advisors a, a, not, not a great name. I think the industry has changed over the last couple of years. I think that if you look at the regulation, there's a lot more regulation that's coming into place um, in terms of dealing with that. So you have to have a certain qualification. So we have different types of licenses. We have a Category 1 license, which is uh, basically the guide gives you advice. You have a Category 2 license, which is your asset management, and so on and so on. Generally, the, 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 the general public out there tends to deal with your financial advisor under a Category 1 license. Um, which means if you go onto the, onto the, onto the website fixer, like I've been to earlier, and you, you put in the company name or the license number or even the financial advisor's ID number, it should tell you in terms of what they license to give advice on. Um, 
that, that, that's quite crucial. So there shouldn't be anybody giving advice on Bitcoin, as an example, who's uh, registered with Fixo, who's registered to give you advice in terms of life cover and um, uh, investments. Um, we have specialists in short term. We have specialists in healthcare. There's all sorts of advisors on in there. You need to check, make sure that the advisor that's giving you advice is giving you advice relevant to, first of all, what your needs are, second of all, to what they're allowed to and qualified to give advice on. You've touched on everything that I wanted to ask you, so thank you for coming into studio. <laughs> now, on a serious note, however, um, the FSB recently split into two. Um, they've now got two sectors. The one sector covers um, issues like what you're discussing today, the long-term issues yes. such as insurance, endowment, providence, that type of thing. And then there's a new body that's been established that, that looks after um, the industry of, with regards to share investments um, uh, where people want to invest on the stock market, that type of thing. Um, in terms of what you are entitled to give advice on, you made specific mention that people are specialists in certain sectors. However, if somebody has an FSP number, they're going to say, listen, I'm, I'm licensed in terms of phase to give you advice. Where are they limited? What, what advice can they give and what advice can't they give? So the first thing is, in, in terms of the advice, like I said, if you, if you go into the web page, they all have a certain categories, uh, some from category 1 to 1.20. So as an example, uh, 1.8 to 1.12 is licenses, uh, licensed to be able to give advice in terms of share portfolios. Um, so a, a medical aid person, as an example, would only be able to give advice. Their limitation is advice on medical aid. Uh, they wouldn't be able to come in and discuss a share portfolio with you, as an example. Um, and vice versa, the guy that does a share portfolio, he's not licensed to give advice um, on medical aid. You do get practitioners out there that are licensed across the board um, that they can basically give advice on medical aid, uh, share portfolios, uh, they're general practitioners. Um, th- that you need to actually confirm with them. So what happens is when you sit with your advisor, what normally happens is they have to give you what's called a disclosure letter. Um, so if you're sitting with your advisor, you want to know, easiest way besides having to go into Google and all sorts of stuff is ask him for his disclosure letter. By law, he has to give you a disclosure letter. And on that disclosure, will tell you exactly what he's licensed to, to give advice on. I'm chatting to Troy Loss, and we're finding out, is your financial advisor legit? You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Is your financial advisor legit? Well, this is an interesting question. I'll tell you why it's an interesting question for me. We've had clients come to us in the past where they've invested monies with a registered financial advisor, and they've come back later to say, Chad, something's not right. What's going on? And when we've investigated, we found out that the money that they thought they were investing into a specific um, product, etc., was not, in fact, invested in that. So I need to ask you this, Troy. A financial advisor, if he comes to you, he's looked after you and your family for any number of years. He's helped put together life policies. He's put together endowment policies. And he comes to you and he says to you, listen, I have a wonderful opportunity. Give me a lump sum. I'm going to invest this for you. um, And I promise you returns on a month-to-month basis. Is that normal? No. So the first thing I need to say is if anything sounds too good to be true, it's generally not. Okay. So just just to to go back to what you've just – the example that you've just given. So – a lot of guys out uh, – so let me go back a step. So when you look at in terms of what he's licensed to do, let's say it's a unit trust, it's an endowment, the advisor can only offer advice on products which he's qualified on. So there's two types of things. There's class and products. 
Okay. So he and, and endowment is a product. Unit trust is a product. So if someone had to come to you as an example, he works for Liberty. I'm just using Liberty as an example. And he t- tells you he's, uh, he's going to be now got a property development for you to invest in. Okay. Good, good example. Um, he can't do that. Okay, because he is only mandated. You must remember what he's mandated to sell. So if you're dealing with a, a tired agent somewhere from Liberty, he can only then sell the Liberty product. So it would have, same would apply to Old Mutual, Momentum, all the, all the product houses across the board. If the guy's independent, he has to tell you on his disclosure letter again what institutions he represents. So he, he can do represent Momentum, Glacier, Liberty, Stanlip, Investec, wherever it is. But again, it's those products on those platforms that he's licensed and trained on to give advice. Anything outside of that mandate, so as an example, like Bitcoin, uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, property developments, the old ShareMax type of scenario would be a very good example. So anything that's not approved by a fixer, okay, um, and I need to remind you that Bitcoin, as an example, is not a regulated product, so he shouldn't be offering ad- uh, advice uh, in terms of Bitcoin. So it's stuff that's regulated by the Financial, uh, conduct, uh, se- financial Sector Conduct Authority. Um, that's what he has to give you advice on. So if my broker, who's looked after me and my family for years, we become house friends, um, he's looked after my insurance policies, he's looked after my disability, should anything go wrong with me, etc. He comes to me now and he says to me, listen, I have an incredible opportunity for you. I have been investing on the stock market. I've created a portfolio and I'm going to take your money from you and I'm going to invest it into a share portfolio of blue chip shares. Would this be unusual? Yes, it would be unusual. And to me, it's, a, it's an alarm, alarm bell that should be going off in my head. Uh, first of all, you know, if you want to invest in shares, go and see a stockbroker. You know, wh- why are you chatting to a guy at the Bry about your life savings, about something he's not specialist in? If he was that, if he was that good a share uh, investor or stockbroker, whatever it is, then why isn't he qualified? That would be my question. Why is he not registered to be able to do with that particular thing? It makes a lot of sense because the market you're in is not the same market that a stockbroker is in. Yeah. If, if I can compare it to a medical practitioner, so, you know, we get GPs out there, so as in general practitioner, the same as what you go see a doctor, and he'll, he'll go through and he'll look at your health, he'll look at your financial well-being, okay, and he'll feel that uh, you've got a heart problem. He refers you then to the cardiologist, okay? Same thing, if, if he then wants to uh, refer you to an asset manager or to a stockbroker, by all means he can do that. But the GP doesn't go and do the heart surgery. You know, so they're specialists in different fields. My advice would be use a specialist for a specialist field. What do you deal with specifically? We f- focus at, at my, my company, we focus mainly on the investment side. So we, we tend to focus more on the sort of 50 plus, more on the retirement market. Uh, so if you look at my, if you go into my license as an example, if, uh, 9669 on the financial, uh, on Fixer, you'll see that we licensed for share portfolios, we licensed for retirement annuities, unit trusts, um, all sorts of products, life products. We specialize more on the investment side. We also happen to have a different company called String, another Stringfellow company, separate FSB, separate PTY, and that's a category two license. Now they, they run funds. So if, if I had to compare myself as an example, I'm not a fund manager. So I, I, can't, I can't make decisions uh, in terms of what I'm buying directly in terms of shares and bonds and that. What I can do is I can give you advice about that, but I have to use an asset management to put the, the portfolio together, which is our other company. You mentioned in the first phase as a Category 1 share options. What is share options? So what, I'm, what I mean is options, the option to invest into shares. Okay, so uh, share portfolios and that, your normal JSC listed shares, your Sassels, your BHB bulletins and that. 
Um, you must just be careful when I, when I say share ops, I mean the option to go into shares because you get options in terms of a company. When you're working for a company, the fact that you've been working there for many years, you get options over the years for your years of service. We don't do that. We have the, we, we give you the option to invest into shares, but on a share portfolio as an example, you'd have to probably have about 1.5 million rand with us. For the reason being shares are very volatile, very risky shares, um, in terms of from an investment perspective. And then, <coughs> excuse me, that that share investment, would you invest it directly on the market on behalf of their client or is it done via a product that one of the bigger long-term houses has? So if you look at Category 1 uh, companies such as ourselves, uh, we have to use a, a platform to invest in. So another warning sign, if I can give it in terms of your listeners, is that as soon as you start seeing money going into somebody's bank account, okay, that should be a bit of a concern. Or into a company bank account that's not a registered list or a registered platform. So if I had to ask you as, uh, to put money into my fund at string, uh, directly into my Stringfellow account or in terms of my bank account, that would be a concern. If I asked you to put that, that money into Investec, and Investec had to go and buy and sell those shares for you, that would be the way to go. You know, it's, it's important to, you know, to have everything registered in your name. That, that, that to me is another uh, alarm bell. As soon as something's not registered in your name, it's, it's a concern. You've answered a lot of questions that I had, and you've also been able to identify red flags for our listeners. When we come back, we're going to talk about specifics in regard to what people should look out for, how they can safeguard themselves, and how they should be able to find a reputable financial advisor. You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Back to today's show. Troy. Um, you, before we went to break, I mentioned that you touched on for me some red flags, which are extremely important. We've come across cases where there's been trusted family advisors for many years. Somehow or another, they've, they've hit on hard luck and they've decided to try, um, solicit funds from their clients into products that aren't necessarily, um, guaranteed products. They're not vetted products and they're not products that fall under the ambit of the act. Um, what is your advice to, to listeners if they're seeking to invest money? Chad, I think right now, if I look at where markets are, we markets are in very much in negative territory, and I, I think that you know the last three years have been really, uh, yeah, haven't been great in terms of performance. The reason I'm saying that is because more and more people are becoming desperate for better returns. Um, so, so things that, that that you need to take a look out for is that that sort of guaranteed double-digit high return type thing, especially if it's on a on a monthly basis that they can give you those type of returns. So, you know, so high returns, as much as what they sound great, high returns means high risk, um, and one needs to just bear that in mind. The next thing I, I would look out for is, like I said earlier, is that where you're putting your money, make sure you're putting your money that's registered in your name in, in, in an institution that you, you know, that you've got access to, uh, be it Internet access, be it whatever it is, a, a login or something to that effect. Um, to, to sit in and and put money into someone's bank account, that that to me is a, is a is a big no no. Um, another another flag also is that we be able to contact the people. If the people have got a website, they've got a fixed address, they've got uh, telephone numbers, and you can reach them, and it's not just via one cell phone. That to me um, is another an, another way of checking that your financial advisor is is. Correct. All right, a listener sent us in a message. Thank you very much, listener. Please will you put your name on your messages so that I'm able to give you a shout-out. It says, um, hi there, Discovery recently had an investment offer where if you invested 100,000 Rand, they guaranteed certain returns. How is this possible? 
So, look, institutions use instruments such as bonds, uh, fixed deposits, um, NCDs, and those type of things. So you do get guaranteed returns. But you'll notice that in terms of the, the returns from, uh, from these various institutions, they're not ridiculous returns. Okay? Normally what happens is with different institutions is they'll guarantee your capital and then it, it has a floating watermark as such. So what will happen is it reaches a certain return. Um, and then they'll they'll guarantee that return, but you you don't get guys that are returning that are giving you a guaranteed two percent or three percent return per month or fifteen percent or return per year. Um, and normally, what also happens is with guaranteed funds, you must also remember um, they're capped. So those guaranteed returns that you get, uh, you know, you you get a guarantee. But if it does more than that, fifteen percent or ten percent, whatever the return is that they're quoting on, okay, um, that's where they make their money. And they use instruments and they use uh, derivatives and all sorts of things to build a portfolio to basically secure those type of investments. And true, these are organisations that have actuarial scientists that study yes. the markets and they know what they're doing. So what you're saying is basically, if somebody comes to you and they're offering you an incredible amount of interest paid on a monthly basis or on an annual dividend basis, but it is a ridiculously high percentage. That in itself is a warning sign. 100%. You know, there's a thing called Google. You know, we don't live in the dark ages. I mean, all you need to do is go into Google, go into Hello Peter, use technology to your best advantage and see what people are saying. You know, that, that what I found is that sometimes with clients, because clients become desperate, seven out of 10 people will tell you it's a bad idea. It's the three that tell you maybe it sounds like a good idea. And because we want to see those returns, we tend to go with the three rather than the other seven. Um, you must remember that investing is a long-term thing, um, and there's no shortcuts to making money. You, you hit the nail on the head. People are looking for a quick return. They're looking for a quick buck. Troy, if our listeners want to get hold of you, do you have a web page? I, I do. Um, I've got two web pages. So uh, the first web page is www.stringfellow.co.za. Or I've got my own web page or my own blog. It's troylas.co.za, T-R-O-Y-L-A-A-S.co.za. Troy, you've given our listeners a lot of advice regarding um, finding out if their financial advice is legit or not. Before I let you go, I'd like to tell our listeners that Troy has served his community with pride for many years. Now, he's a captain in the reserves. How long have you been a reservist, Troy? 25 years. Well, congratulations. <laughs> 25 years. Congratulations on that. Troy, um, I read something horrifying over the weekend that reservists have dropped by 82%. Is that true? Yeah. So there was a report by Diane Kohler. She's the shadow minister to the police. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a long and tough road. I mean, in 2012, um, well, just, just before 2012, cause I think that report was from 2012, if I'm not mistaken. We stopped recruiting probably about 2011. We've only recently started to recruit, uh, once again. So we need to get those numbers up. I think the reservists are, um, really key to representing the public and to going out there and, and, and giving back to the community. So we are recruiting again. I noticed, uh, um, um, the national office is trying to get our strengths back up and I wish them all the best of luck and a uh, big shout out to all the other fellow reservists out there that are serving their community and thanks Chad to you and, and our community who support us out there Well Troy firstly thank you so much for coming in and advising our, our listeners on phase and what to look for in a financial advisor and thank you for your service to our communities 25 years is a long time I didn't realize it was a quarter century I'm going to have to chat to Glenda and to Bianca and to all of our friends and see if we can put something together to thank you for your time and effort um, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show with all the legislation changing with all the different scams out there it's very important to have somebody as knowledgeable as you that's able to assist us so thank you so much for coming in no, today thanks Chad thanks for your listeners too